You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. I had it all planned that I was just going to be able to sit around and watch White Sox baseball. I was going to watch this team come back and sweep the Guardians. And then nothing. No, no not not at all. I mean, there was glimmers of hope. There was When Abreu hit his, his two-out single and extra innings, I was like, maybe, maybe they're going to do something amazing right here. And then Jake Diekman came out and did exactly what I predicted Jake Diekman was going to do. I predicted that kind of performance from him. There's actually, like, a show description in which it says... Chris will explain how Jake Diekman is going to break your heart this year after they acquired him at the trade deadline. And that's exactly what happened. They lose that game. They come out the next night. They lose that game. Forget about sweeping the Guardians. Basically put themselves on the line to be swept. I don't know what the end result was on Thursday night as this episode comes out on Friday because Ed and I aren't worried about the results of the games anymore. We've moved into off-season mode. It doesn't matter. It's over, right? I mean, it's it, it doesn't matter. Some people are hanging on, my friend, but essentially, this thing is done. I'm moving forward. It's time for the post-mortem. It's time to figure out what they should do, what they're probably going to do, what went wrong, and allow people to reach out to us. Reach out online. Go to SaxonBasement.com. Send us a message. Uh, leave us a voicemail. Get it out of your system over the next couple of weeks. And we'll put it out on Socks in the Basement because that's all we can do at this point is look at this mess and say, why did it happen? How did it happen? What needs to be done? And will they actually do the right thing to fix it? That's where we're at right now. Well, and for those holding on hope, I mean, you got to understand something, too. If they swept the Guardians, they were still going to be in a position where they would need to make up some space, some games here over the course of the rest of the season. And, and it's not like the Guardians have got a schedule that you could sit there and look at and go, okay, the Sox have this in the bag because yeah, three against the Rangers after this three against the Rays. That's probably where the Sox were going to make their move. Cause they'd be playing Minnesota at the same time that the guardians are playing the Rays. But then Cleveland finishes with six against Kansas city and the Sox are playing San Diego in that time period. And then they finish up against the twins. You can't tell me that that was a given, even if they had swept the guardians. And if you're still holding out hope Think about the idea that the Guardians would have to go under 500 against the Rangers and the Royals. I'm not even holding the Rays series out of there. They'd have to lose every series that they play from here on out, and the Sox would have to do more than just win every series. They'd have to sweep a couple just to be able to get this done if they didn't sweep the Guardians. And, and so the, the hope, if you've got hope, that's great. I don't want to crush it, but just mathematically speaking— it's crushed. No, no. I'm crushing it. It's over. Okay? Let go. Move on. This is Socks in the Basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans, all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions for bowing walls, window wells, foundation, and crack repair. Concrete going up and down on the sidewalk, the driveway, the patio. That's a foundation issue. That's water getting into the foundation. Fix that. And also fix what it looks like around your house as well. Gutter cleaning for the fall and so much more. Check out all they have to offer. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. And remember, if you mention Socks in the Basement, when you give them a call, you get money back. 708-330-4466. Can they fix the foundation of this roster? Well, that, and that's the thing. And who's going to actually do it? 
because John Heyman's on the score already giving his prediction. And people immediately say, well, if John Heyman said it, that's exactly what the White Sox are going to do. I don't think anybody knows what the White Sox are going to do. And I think it's the responsibility of anybody that loves this team and has a voice, whether it's through a podcast or a blog or is on the radio or whatever, to hammer the front office at this point. Because you need to make it so uncomfortable that maybe, maybe the White Sox do something that in reality, in my heart of hearts, I don't believe they're capable of doing. I don't believe Jerry Reinsdorf is capable of saying, I got to get rid of some of these people that are around me. I've got to get rid of the people that are really the scapegoats. Because the longer it keeps Han and Williams around, it deflects some anger from him. But a lot of what this team is, in fact, deep down, everything this team is, is because of Jerry Reinsdorf. I was sitting down trying to figure out where this went wrong. We had a rebuild and we were told, oh, money will be spent. Rick Hahn constantly talking about, talk to me after the parade. I don't know what parade you're, is it the 4th of July parade next year? Is there, is a Bud Billiken? What parade do you think is happening? I, I don't know. Am I going to see it at the Columbus Day parade? There's so precious few fall parades, you know, around that time of year. Right. Maybe the Thanksgiving parade. Is, is that what he's thinking? Like, get me after the holidays. I got stressful stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know a parade that Rick Hahn thinks he's ever going to be These talking These yams ain't going to candy themselves. Talk to me after the parade when I've, when I've had a chance to throw those in the oven. <laughs> I mean, like, here's the thing. He's got to get rid of some of those guys, and that's going to open him up to a little bit more criticism. But trust me, Jerry, you're going to get far more criticism for keeping these same guys in place than actually moving on. All right? And if you really want to win, and you really want to make money, it's time to move on as well. I see people now putting out on social media things like, well, I'm never spending my money with them again. And then I see other people responding like, ha that'll never happen. And I think that's one of the dumbest arguments that I see between fans. In reality, there might be people who say, I'm never spending money until Jerry's gone. You know, I'm never spending money until they get rid of Rick Hahn. I'm never spending money until they get rid of Tony LaRusso. I'm never spending money until they change this or change that. And there'll be people who'll sit there and say, no, I'm still going. I'm ride or die. But deep down, it does affect your bottom line. And this is the thing that I really want to drive home. I, I, I really want to drive this home just on the, on the off chance that the message eventually works its way into the ears of Jerry Reinstorf. But for the average fan, I think all of us can think about this season and understand that there were moments when you had options on how to spend your entertainment dollar and the White Sox were not your first choice. I know there are games that I skipped. I know there are opportunities to go that I skipped this year because of the way this team played, because of how unenjoyable it was to watch this team, because of the annoyance. It wasn't like I said, oh, I'm never going to a White Sox game again. I skipped the, uh, the, the game last week against the Rockies. I mean, they were still in it. But I had other things to do, and my faith in this team had been hurt so many times that I was like, ah, it's a Tuesday, and I got other stuff, and I got work to do around here, and we'll just, you know, we're season ticket holders, I'll eat it. Now, they got my price of admission, but they didn't get the couple hundred dollars I probably spent on beer and, and food and, and whoever else went with me. And Because, you know, when I go, I have a good time. When I go, I'm eating a sandwich in there, I'm spending things. My wife goes, she's buying something in the concession, in, in the concession stands like a, a new sweatshirt or something like that, that money's gone. And it had to have hurt Jerry Reinstorf's bottom line for this team to perform it the way it did all year long. From start to finish, money that should have been made wasn't made because you put Tony La Russa in the place because of the way that the offseason was handled. Because of the structure of the team, you lost money, Jerry. 
Okay, and I don't feel bad for you because at the end, you are the cause for this and the cause for even though you had a really good year compared to the last 10 years, you could have had an even bigger year. And I can't imagine a guy that's a billionaire is so short-sighted that he doesn't notice that, Ed. Oh, of course he notices. He knows where the money is not coming in and he knows why it's not coming in. He's been doing this for a long time at this point. 40 years is a long time to own a baseball team. It's a long time to be in a business. So, yes, Jerry is very aware when fans don't want to spend money. He is very aware that we are, as fans, not sitting there saying we're not going to spend money because we're cheap or that we're not going to spend money because, you know, we have a personal vendetta against Jerry Reinsdorf. We're not spending money because it's a bummer to go to the game and, you know, watch a team underperform. When we watch the team flounder and you get these sort of disingenuous things, I, I mean, frankly, it kind of rankled me a little bit seeing the postseason sweets thing, you know, that was like every other inning. Jason and Steve are sitting there talking about get your postseason suite. And as we're watching the team lose to the Guardians, I mean, come on, really? Well, they have to. They're directed to do it. I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming Jerry. Well, no, no, no. I look at that as a positive. Because it's got to hurt to keep putting that out when your team is losing. And it's got to hurt to know that you're not going to sell them. And it's got to hurt to understand that you lost money. It really does. For, for it to be pushed somewhere, somebody's like, man, we really got to push these sweets. It's embarrassing to talk about this. I know it's embarrassing, but we're losing money. I mean, that's what I hope is the feeling in the front office. That's all you can hope for. Deep down in the end, the only way to affect change, and I really believe this is even truer now, than it ever was, is hitting somebody's pocketbook. That's the only way to do it. I'm not saying you don't ever go to a White Sox game again. I think just acting the way that I just described, where you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just going to go to a few less games. Somebody hits you up on Friday night. Do you want to go to the game? And you want to go up and buy tickets, or do you want to buy? A, you want to do a family outing, and you have the option to go do three or four other things, and the team plays like that. You go, well, I'm going to go do the other thing. I don't really want to spend money on this team. They don't care about me as a fan. You know, look at look at how they operate because it's insulting to a fan to watch how this team operates. Right. So that that kind of behavior hopefully is being noticed. Hopefully it's bothersome because it, that's the only way you can really affect change. I think in this world now with the, with the fact that everybody has a Twitter and everybody can just go out and get their word out and their opinion out that it's become so noisy that in reality, it's extremely hard to affect change. The only real way I think people can affect change is hit, hit somebody with their po- in their pocketbook. And he's so rich, I don't think one person not going and spending money would bother him in any way. It's like saying that I'm not shopping at Amazon and Jeff Bezos would be like, whatever, who are you? Get out of my way, peon. That, I mean, in reality, that's, that's a true thing. But if you've created a culture amongst your fan base where now you're seeing less dollars coming in than what you should have anticipated – Hopefully that's noticed because that bigger number should affect some sort of change. The only question is, is the man in charge so prideful that he'd rather just lose that money than admit that maybe he's not the perfect being that the people he surrounds himself with and the video packages tell him that he is. For remaining home games down at the ballpark, I would suggest strongly going and getting your meals at Cork and Carry at the Park. Spend your money there. 
all right? They provide a great experience, right? They got the indoor-outdoor seating. They've got amazing food. They give it to you at a good price. It's a friendly atmosphere. And you can go over there and just kind of enjoy yourself, right? And after the game, you can go over there and enjoy yourself as well. It's a great spot before the game, I would say, for families. You know, bring them in there. I mean, for anybody, really, okay? And then after the game, man, it is a, well, generally a celebratory place. But since we don't have very much to celebrate about, just kind of a fun place to hang out, you know? You don't want the night to end. You want Misery to avoid- loves company, Chris. Misery right. loves company. Right. You want to, and you, beer. You want to sit down and talk with another White Sox fan about how ridiculous this team is? That, that's where things really happen, right? The, the Revolutionary War started in pubs along the East Coast, okay? Get over to Cork and Carey at the park and start your own White Sox fan revolution, all right? Just, just start talking about what's wrong with this team and commiserate with other White Sox fans. That's what I would suggest you do. They have that beautiful location in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton. They have award-winning burgers and ballpark favorites, and they have an extensive bar with a rotation of craft beers, familiar favorite spirits, and wine. And then don't forget about their other location, Cork and Carey Beverly at 106th and Western. All right, let's get to my my three things. Three things since the start of the rebuild that went so terribly awry that I believe they're the three hallmark things that caused this team to get to this point right now. A team that not only missed the postseason, but has some bad contracts on there and has some real issues. And they they're going to have to do some real work in the offseason. And again, I don't think the people that are currently in charge in the front office should be making those decisions. The first thing that happened, and we talked about it on this show when it happened, and I clearly stated years from now, when this doesn't work out the way we expected it to work out, when we are in the window and we're not making the postseason, we will remember how the White Sox missed on Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. And that's the first thing that really indicated to you that things were not going to go exactly the way that they should have. You had Manny Machado saying, I want 10 years and 300 million, basically from the beginning of the offseason. And you had a ball club that did not offer 10 years and 300 million. They offered eight years and about 250. And then they kind of hoped that Manny would not notice those extra two option years they had complete control over. Like, oh, you can make far more than $300 million if you trust us, not after eight years to say, ah, you've kind of decreased in your abilities and we're just not going to pick up those two option years. They were trying to trick a grown man who had all the cards and the grown man that had all the cards went and got his 10 years and $300 million from the Padres. And Bryce Harper has come out ever since then, a guy who would look great in a White Sox uniform and talked about how he was really interested in the White Sox and they weren't really interested in him. Which made no sense. Which made no sense. Because he's the left-handed, power-hitting outfielder that they've been looking for. Right. They're still looking for it. They're still looking for it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Gavin Sheets, no matter how hard he works, will never be Bryce Harper. He might not even be his dad, Ben Sheets, at this point. I mean, come on. The White Sox had the opportunity to put an absolute star on their team. And just imagine that one player sitting in the middle of the lineup, whether it be Harper or Machado right now this season, you win the division. Even with how bad Tony managed I think you win the division. It, it would have it would have changed everything for you this year. It probably would have helped you a lot last year in the postseason against the Astros. It was a massive blunder. And when you sit there and say, well, Chris, but then they spent the money on other things. I'm sorry. I would have taken Machado and a lesser catcher than Yasmani Grandal. I would have taken, and, and if I couldn't get Liam Hendricks, 
I would have been able to find somebody else to close games for me. And I like Liam. We've had Liam Hendricks on Socks in the Basement. I like Liam Hendricks. I think he's got a great attitude. But a lot of the money that was spent because you didn't spend it on Machado, that $30 million a year that you'd be spending on him now or pretty much the same thing for Bryce Harper, those are the guys that it goes to. And I think now we can look back and see that you should have given him what he wanted. And that was a mistake. Now, whose fault is it? Jerry Reinsdorf. Because you could see Rick Hahn was a complete mess afterwards and realized that after all the bluster that he was going to be able to go out and spend the money, his owner still had limitations and he couldn't sit at the big boy table. And he was going to have to rethink how he was going to build this team. If he had the aspersions that he was going to be able to do it the way he wanted to do it, he found out that he couldn't. And so now he had to change his plan. So I put that one squarely on Jerry. That's point number one. The second terrible thing that happened over the last couple of years to the White Sox was Tony La Russa being named the manager of the team. And at the time, I was, I was trying to be cautiously optimistic about it. I was like, here's a guy who was a Hall of Fame manager. Uh, I know it isn't what Rick Hahn wanted. I don't like the fact that Jerry Reinsdorf forced this person upon Hahn. And it, it seems very obvious that's what happened, especially if you paid any attention to what was going on during it and afterwards. I hoped for the best, and we got the worst. We got a guy who in his first year as manager made a couple of really questionable decisions and beat up on bad teams, got to the postseason, and his team couldn't do it. And then came out this year and made even worse decisions, couldn't make it through the year, and it was a disaster. That's an absolute blunder, and it's also on Jerry Reinsdorf. I can tell I'm getting overly excited, too. Like, I'm so upset. I've gotten through two things so far, and I can just feel the blood rushing to my face. So let me just take a moment and talk about a good thing that's going to be happening, and that is to Oktoberfest this weekend. First off, we're in Lamont at the Forge. It's going to be a great time. Pollyanna Brewing's out there, uh, all kinds of uh, bands and food. It's, it's a big festival in Lamont, and Socks in the Basement has been invited. We will be there. Come find our tent. I've already seen the map. We are dead center towards the back of the crowd facing the stage in between the beer and the food tent. There's no way you're going to miss Socks in the Basement if you're going to Lamont's Oktoberfest at the Forge on Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a blast. And then we're at our friends at Hailstorms Brewery. Uh, they're all weekend long, actually. So if you're not going out to Lamont, get there on Saturday and on Sunday. They got two days of Oktoberfest at Hailstorm Brewing in Tinley Park, the official brewery of Socks in the Basement. We'll be at the actual Oktoberfest on Sunday and enjoy Big Giant Steins of Oktoberfest beer and all their other beers. And you can buy and get refilled at a great price. Das Boot. I'm getting a Big Giant Boot. I'm going to keep it here in the bar from now on afterwards. I can't wait to get it, get it filled, and walk around and drink beer out of the big glass boot. It's going to be a great time. Come see Saxon Basement there as well over at Hailstorm. Let's take a call. Hey, guys. Feeling kind of relieved about the White Sox being closer to being mathematically eliminated. White Sox fans are not stupid. So for Rick Hahn to do nothing in the offseason to address second base and to address any type of left-handed hitting for this team is absolutely criminal. Rick Hahn, you're gone. This brings me to point number three. I can't fire the owner, Ed. You understand? Like, I can't do that. Nope. But the third thing I can blame the general manager for, and that is the offseason that Rick Hahn had this year. That's three years and $16.5 million to Larry Garcia when you had guys better than Larry Garcia in your minor leagues and couldn't identify it. And you had precious little resources in terms of salary to still fix glaring holes 
that were created or never addressed. You went after bullpen. Again, bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. Yeah, that bullpen did great, right? All of his acquisitions, man, they were killing it, especially in their biggest game of the year, first game against Cleveland. The whole thing with picking up Kimbrell's money so you could trade for Pollock instead of just eating it and taking that money and putting it into a, a real free agent acquisition. There's so many things that went wrong in this offseason that contributed to this moment right now. That's on Rick Hahn. And that's why I'm changing over the front office. Okay. Not only because Rick Hahn did it, but because Kenny Williams, who's his boss, allowed it to happen. And I'm done with the entire front office. So those are my three things that I think are the biggest three things that got us to this point. Before I get yours, your reaction. You're right. <laughs> Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Okay, so the, the first one of mine is there's this conceptual thing that Rick Hahn seems to do, and it's the consolation prize, okay? He's done it in a couple of occasions, and the most glaring of them was when he couldn't land Zach Wheeler. Wheeler just didn't want to come here because of his wife, as it turns out. That's At least that's the story that was told. He goes on and he gets a consolation prize in Dallas Keuchel, who was a guy that was fading, and everybody in baseball knew he was fading because – the year before, in, in the offseason between 2018 and 2019 seasons, Keuchel couldn't get a contract because he had a draft pick attached to him. He ended up signing with the Braves midseason when the draft pick came off. Craig Kimbrell had the same problem, by the way. But Rick seems to have this need on occasion to go out and just do something that is, he lost out on X, so I'm going to go and get Y. Dallas Keuchel, I don't know that you needed to sign Dallas Keuchel in, in that offseason. I don't think you needed him in 2020, and you certainly didn't need him after that, right? You didn't necessarily need to go out and prove that you could get a big name at a deadline and go out and get Craig Kimbrell because he was available, right? And, and that's what it seemed to be. He, he's, he's not filling holes with the money. He's getting a name to prove that he can get a name. And he's done that on a couple of occasions. And I think the Keuchel thing in particular, not because Dallas Keuchel didn't work out, but because you could see already what this guy was becoming and he was falling apart before the Sox even signed him. And here's Rick, who we know has very little money. And, and maybe that's on Jerry, you know, whatever, you can, we can get back into the Jerry discussion there, but he's got a certain amount of finances and he throws it at a guy that everybody else in baseball had looked at and when, you know what? He's not a premium guy anymore, and we all know it. We've all watched it happen. Listen, there's GMs that do more with less, 
than what Rick Hahn has. So I hate that argument because, yeah, Jerry Reinsdorf isn't the Yankees and he isn't spending and uh, he could always spend he's more. He's not Steve Cohen. He's not He's not throwing billions at this. There are, there are GMs that do more with less than what Rick Hahn actually does. So uh, it's, not, it's not just the money. And then you know what's interesting before you get to number two? Isn't that what Kenny used to do? Go grab the name instead of the right guy. Yep. And that's what he used it's, to it's do. It's old Kenny Williams move. And we thought we were going to get something different when he moved out of the way. It didn't change a thing. Again, that goes back to why they both have to go in my mind. Number two for me, and this is this goes back to the very start of the rebuild. I don't think Rick Hahn understands what a rebuild is. Okay. <laughs> he he took a team back then. He took that team that he 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 busted that team apart, traded Chris Sale, he traded Jose Quintana. He traded Adam Eaton. He traded these guys away. And what he ended up with at this point is a team that is older than the team that he broke apart for being a, a failed team, right? And we don't have a minor league system that could support making trades. We don't have a minor league system that could support bringing players up when players go down. You know, you don't have player capital. You don't have financial capital. You have an aging team. You have a team that right now just lost to the young rebuilding team in the central division. That's Cleveland. Okay. Cleveland understands how rebuild works. You trade Mike Clevenger because he's about to price out of, of where you're comfortable paying him and you get some prospects for him. And then you draft well, and you make sure that your minor league system is stocked. And if you have to trade veterans, you trade them for useful, young, controllable players. And you don't do this thing that Rick did, which is I'm going to do a rebuild by gathering four or five really great prospects. And then building around them with the same problems I had the last time because the team he traded away, Adam Eaton was a young outfielder who was kind of a, you know, he was, he was supposed to be one of the team leaders. Chris sale was a young ace of your staff. Jose Quintana was a young ace of your staff. He gets rid of those guys because they were only surrounding them with bargain basement, free agents, guys that weren't working out. Look where we are. He rebuilt into the exact same team. You don't understand what a rebuild is. If you fundamentally do the exact same thing again, Ed's two in. He's getting excited before you're done with point number three. Let me remind everybody about the $1,000 guest bounty. It is back this offseason. It is one of the many things that I'm looking forward to this offseason, and it's all brought to you by Parente and Norum. When you've been injured, you need a team that will do what it takes to fight for your rights. They have recovered over $400 million so far for their clients. Get a free case evaluation Call or text them today at 312-641-5926 or visit pninjurylaw.com. They are the proud sponsors of the $1,000 Guest Bounty. You find a guest and get them on Socks in the Basement. And if it is the favorite guest, the biggest guest, the guest of the offseason as voted on by the fans, you win a G. We gave away $1,000 last offseason. We'll give away another $1,000 cash money this offseason, you can enter, you can start telling us about it. All you have to do is just basically give us contact information. I know so-and-so. It doesn't even need to be baseball related. We're going to reach out. We're going to confirm it's the right person. We're, we're going to make sure that you know them. We're going to get it all set up. We're going to book the guest. We just need the contact information to get us going. We need you to start it, do the introduction, and if it leads to the guest, you can win $1,000 from Sox in the Basement and Parente and Norm. Number three, Ed. I love what the White Sox do as far as bringing in the Cuban pipeline and, and, and getting the top-end free agents from the international signing periods. You know, and, and they've got these guys, but then they don't actually impact the team 
in a way that is meaningful. Right now you have Vera's down there, you have Colossus down there, you have Cespedes is down there. They were neither traded when the White Sox needed to acquire talent to, to bolster a championship run right now, nor were they fast-tracked to the majors to where they were able to make an impact on this team when the team needed an influx of talent right now, nor do they represent something that can really be relied upon as the future of the team because you're really talking about, again, three or four guys that are a couple years down the road when you're going to start losing some of these other players, and that's not sustainability either. By focusing on very few top prospects, and he does this in the draft too, by focusing on guys like Garrett Crochet, who is going to come up and do one thing, you don't have enough versatility down in the minors to really be viable and really do the things that you need to do with a minor league system. So th this, this hyper focus that he has on the top end international free agents and finding, you know, really focusing on what his first round and second round draft picks can do and not investing. And I don't know if this is a Jerry thing, a Chris Getz thing, a Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams thing, a scouting department thing, which could be, you know, tied into all of them. But they're, they're so worried about having a couple of really good prospects that, by the way, aren't even on MLB Pipeline's top 100, that they just do not give themselves a wide enough net for talent. And they do it over and over and over again. We hear about these one or two guys that cannot come in and save this team because let's say Cespedes and Colas come up and you still have Luis Robert and you still have Andrew Vaughn playing in the outfield and you still have Gavin Sheets playing in the outfield. Where are they going to play? You know, it's it's more corner outfielders. You got 12 guys for two positions, and you still don't have a second baseman. I'm listening to you. I'm looking at what I said. I'm trying to tally this all up. I mean, clearly the owner is a massive problem, right? Because not only does he hire all these people, but he he screwed things up with Larusa and he screwed up everything when it came to the the opportunity to get Manny Machado, and I don't know what the hell the problem was with not going after Bryce Harper. So he's clearly... That will that will always mystify me right. for the rest of my life. He's clearly a massive problem, but you can't get rid of him, okay? I mean, he's not leaving until they carry him out. And so we all know what's going on there. We can't do anything about that, okay? Tony La Russa is literally one of the problems. Hiring him is one of the problems. Remove that problem, I think. I don't think you can find very many people that would say otherwise. Maybe even Tony at this point. Right, but the amount of Rick Hahn problems and issues and mistakes and deficiencies that we were able to just come up with. And the fact that I told you I had three things, you had three things, and I didn't even know what yours were, none of them were the same as mine. It was, it was, it's so easy to find them all. How much more do you need to see of this front office of Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn before you're convinced that they're a problem? I mean, they're going to hide behind the, we didn't want Tony LaRussa, he was forced upon us argument. And there are people that echo that argument. And there are people that are like, oh, until he gets his real manager, how can you say that he's done a bad job? Well, we just found a lot of reasons why you could say he's doing a bad job that have nothing to do with Tony LaRussa. Okay. You can say that Tony LaRussa was a problem and should never have been the manager of the team and still have a problem with this front office. You might want to accept that, hey, they're just probably going to get rid of Tony because that's the White Sox way, but you shouldn't accept it. You should understand. I mean, like, I get it. I get that that's probably what's going to happen. I know how this organization runs. I've been watching them my entire life. I've been watching this guy run this team for 40 years, this owner. I know exactly what he does. I know his tendencies. He doesn't know what he's... He, he makes all kinds of mistakes. He's been making mistakes for decades, and then people sit around him and tell him how great he is. Okay? It's terrible, the potential of this team over the last couple of decades and what's happened. 
You can understand all that and still rap at their door and say, no, get rid of these guys. And I hope that's what fans keep doing. Bring back Hawk. Oh, no, he'd be telling everybody that this is all fine. Jerry Jerry knows what he's doing. And, you know, Kenny gets up there and does yeah, a good job. But at least he'd fire Tony again. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.